This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how do you bounce back when everything's going wrong? Today, we'll talk to a woman who went from being a bankrupt single mom to coaching millionaire CEOs, Brandy Mabra. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to Julie, who is looking to set up investment accounts for her one- and three-year-olds. What does she need to know? And I'll get you thinking with some of my wacky trivia. And now, two guys who are ready to help you kick off the second half of your week, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. That's right, my friend. It is all downhill from here. And you know how you know? Because it's Wednesday on the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And welcome back to another episode. And we've got you covered today. Little inspirational episode, Mr. OG, with a woman who is bankrupt. She needed a new life. She needed to hit the reset button. And Brandy Mabra did just that. She's upstairs talking to mom. How about that? Yeah, if you need motivation to uh, learn about what to do when you're kind of sort of near the bottom. It's time. Or you think you are. Yeah, on Monday with Michelle Kagan, when things were really bad, she showed you how to put one foot in front of the other. Yep. Brandy's the next step. So can't wait for that. We've got a fantastic headline to an Olympic theme headline. Did you watch the opening ceremonies? Sure. Every flipping time I watched them. Boring. It's so fun. I love With it. No people. Boring. I I still love it. Last week we were watching some softball. It's so dumb. 
Softball's dumb. Softball's awesome. It's dumb without people. Oh, well, welcome to the new world that we live in, right? Yeah. I found it hard to get into professional sports. This is a whole different podcast now, but I found it hard to get into any professional sports. Uh, Tell me about it. The last year with any with type of sport near empty. Yeah. It didn't matter what it was. Yeah. It was just very difficult to watch. Hey, but it's not going to be difficult to listen to today's show. Bada boom, bada, bada bing. Boom, How bada about bing. that? Zinger. We got it for you today. But first, this episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. See, we even had that segue, that awkward segue. We got Brandy Mabra. We've got the Olympics in our headlines. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. I love the creativity that some of these writers use when they talk about something as non-exciting as the United States tax code. Three ways Olympic athletes' taxes are different than yours. This is written by Andrew Keshner on uh, Market Watch last week. There are rules about when the IRS can and can't go for the gold. Get it? Oh, boy. Andrew's full of them. Uh, Andrew writes, the more than 600 athletes on Team USA converging on Tokyo for the Olympic Games are, by definition, separate and apart from the rest of America's population. And it's even different for them with their taxes. Oh, gee, I did not know this. Do you know, did you know that the U.S. Olympic Committee pays people when they get a medal? Yeah, I knew that. Well, is it the Olympic Committee or is it just the whole Olympic group as a whole? The United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, USOPC, awards ah, there you go. $37,500 to athletes winning the gold. There you go. Yeah. $22,500 for silver, $15,000 for a bronze. The bad news about that, by the way, with some tax law issues, they discovered that the United States was handing them this money. And then they were taxing it. So they passed a special exemption that says, you know what? If you win the gold for the United States, that is tax exempt. Do you think that we could create our own Stacking Benjamins Olympics? Gold medal? Yeah. And just tell the IRS, well, if they can. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're more of a podcast athlete. Right. And therefore, Podly. all of our income is tax-free. All right. I see where you're going. I like it. Yeah. 2016, they actually changed that so now probably michael phelps was complaining he's like listen <laughs> that's this thirty three thousand dollars owe me a, <laughs> y'all tax me a hundred thousand dollars i got all this gold man what's up what are we gonna do with that you know it's funny the thirty three thousand dollars compared to the endorsements he got yeah that's a, oh really i won five gold medals hundred and fifty thousand smackaronis pocket ah, change it's okay it's all right it's a nice start so their olympic money is tax-free very nice. Damn, I picked the wrong job. You should have been an Olympian. Well, I'm an aspiring Olympian. You're like, hey, OG, put down the donut. It's time for the 100. 
That would smoke so many people in the 100. You against Usain? I might not beat him. Might come in a distant second. Second, there's also, for the average person, of course, there's these cross-border taxes, right? Mm-hmm. You you earn money in other... Yeah, if you go to if you work in another country or, or whatever, you got to pay taxes in their country also. Generally, Andrew writes, most states levy income tax on residents and non-residents who are making money within the state's borders. But states have all kinds of timelines for when taxation starts and various reciprocity deals with nearby stakes. The mix of rules is overly complicated, say critics, but this is what professional athletes with lots of road games have been facing for years when their tax professionals prepare their returns. I did not know that. So yeah, yeah. If you're a baseball player, your salary is broken down into all the different places pro rata, how many games you appeared in in each one of those areas. Same thing with NFL or NBA. What a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens when you play the Raptors? And now you have to do Canadian taxes. You got to do the cross-border. Portion of yours. Olympians don't have that. They don't face international cross-border taxation when they go to Tokyo. Uh, this is a quote from Yoshihisa Kita, first secretary of finance for the Japanese embassy in the U.S., Yoshihisa says, in Japan, it's legislated as a special tax treatment that the prize award given to non-resident athletes participating in Tokyo Olympic Paralympic is exempt from Japanese taxation. That's nice of them. Yes. Thank you, Japan. Yeah, that was that was the trade-off where they're like, so do we collect taxes or do we just make them sleep in a cardboard bed that's only meant for one person? Uh, it's tax-free, but you got to sleep on a box and it can only be you. No hanky-panky. If you got no idea what he's talking about, about cardboard beds, just uh, do a quick Bing search. Or Google. Bing pays you to search. How much have you made from Bing to search? I told you I make like 20 bucks a year. <laughs> and given I search a lot, but dude, how much, how much does Google pay you? Google pays me in time by having the actual search that I'm looking <laughs> the, for. The search is better. <laughs> anyway. Third, some athletes might have a way to deduct work expenses and more might do so in 2024. There was a 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which ended deductions for employees' unreimbursed job expenses through 2025. So if you set up a home office during COVID thinking that you were going to write off that sweet chair that you put in your office at home while you took all your Zoom calls, not happening. But athletes can receive money via an entity like a limited liability company or as a sole proprietor. Because they're leading their endorsement deal business, they, like other taxpayers with self-employed income sources, may be able to deduct business expenses the IRS deems necessary. So let's go through this, OG. If I'm an athlete, I not only am participating in the event, I set up a company that runs my endorsement deals. I have an office at my house that I do those deals in when I do the Zoom calls. So then I get to write off the chair. You can write off the chair regardless. It's just the the unreimbursed employee expenses. Like, Well, I think they're saying if you're a W-2 employee, you yeah. can't do that. Well, I think you still can. It, it, the, the office stuff, yes. But the other, uh, the more like uniforms and all that other sort of stuff, really not a big opportunity there anymore. But this is true for any sort of, person who can try to turn their work into a business. If you can take a hobby or or you can take your side hustle, all of the stuff that you're doing for that is a business. 
if you're out washing cars and that turns into something where you've got 10 people on your payroll washing cars, you better be deducting your mileage. You know, you better be deducting soap and sponges and buckets and water and all that stuff. And that's true for any sort of business or any sort of uh, side hustle that you're doing. You got to think about it from you being the CEO, not you out painting fences or whatever your little side hustle would be. I'm just listening to you talk. And I remember when I first went into business for myself and I knew nothing about taxes. And I think about the huge amounts of money that I paid to the IRS that I should not have paid just where, man, a little education would have gone a long way. But, but it's so, I don't know. I remember thinking that I didn't know where to turn. Like, where do you turn for yeah. good? Not somebody that's going to do your taxes for you, which is what I had. I need somebody to sit me down and go, dude, that chair you can yeah. write off. Well, they have, you know, there are people who specialize in small business taxes and that's probably where I'd go. Enrolled agents, CPAs, your generic tax preparer probably is more suited for, I'm just putting stuff in boxes. You know, I know how to take this information and put it on this form and I'm great at that. But if you're looking for tax planning, you know, a a advisor, a CFP, a CPA, an enrolled agent, those are the people that you're going to want to look for, for help early in the year. You know, you want to be starting to solve that problem in July. You don't want to be thinking about it in January of next year going, oh, do I have to get all that, all that, you know, information? You were talking about making mistakes with your taxes. I have this very vivid memory of sitting with the CPA years and years and years ago. And at the time I worked in, uh, my office was in Ann Arbor, had clients all over the state of Michigan. I was traveling to Toledo a lot because I was in charge of an office there. And I didn't take any records. I didn't keep any records whatsoever. And the CPA says, did you drive for work? And I go, yeah, a whole bunch. He goes, well, how many miles? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't recreate it. And he went, oh, okay. And didn't even push me on it. And you know, I probably drove 40,000 miles that year yeah. for work. And which, claim none of them. And claim zero. So then he slides across the prepared tax form across the table to me and goes, all right, there you go. You owe uh, 14,000. Good luck. Yeah. And that was that. That's and, what happened to me. And I, you know, and I reluctantly write this check for 14 grand to the government and all this sort of stuff, all because I didn't take the time and energy to find the right help, find the right help or just do it. Right. It was like, to me, it seemed like such a burden to go back and recreate my schedule. Right. Which now listen, if you're doing mileage, you want to do that contemporaneously. You want to know where you went each time and keep track of it in real time. Now they have apps for that. That's that was, what I should have done is created stupid app. I'd be a gazillionaire with not be talking to you. Could have gone up in the rocket with Bezos. I know. (laughs) Floated around. Did you see the, speaking of that, did you see the old lady throwing shade? Like, yeah, it was cool. Wally? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as high as I thought it would be. Couldn't really see all of the earth. (laughs) She's so awesome. I thought that I could do more flips, but it was really tight. It was kind of short. It was short. I felt like the Virgin one was, with Richard Branson, was it in space longer. Yeah, I didn't really pay attention to the... uh, to Richard Branson one because I knew that uh, Bezos was going to one up him by a by a mile or two, but um, I just thought it was funny that the woman's doing that. Anyway, it, back to Texas. No, no, one more thing on oh. that. It also, by the way, I always thought it was kind of an accident that the Amazon logo with the thing under it that that looks like a phallic symbol, and then I see no, that smile. It certainly looks like a phallic symbol. It's supposed to be a smile. Okay. But that thing he went up and it's supposed to be a rocket. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, there's got to be something going on when you put it in your logo and then you put the it, smile. <laughs> the rocket shaped like a smile. 
a big giant smile. I was like, are you kidding me? I wonder if that came up in the design meetings. Like, guys, seriously? It's like, this is the most aerodynamic. Really? Can we can we make anything? like? You know what they said. They're like, okay, Jeff drew us a picture. He wants it to look like this. I don't know how he didn't. You know, when he landed, he gave away $200 million. He's like, hey, you have $100 million, You have $100 million. He gave away... I mean, he gave... It was for a good purpose. Sure. But how does he not like open the windows of that thing and just start throwing money out at like 60,000 feet? Oh, and it goes out just, all over the place. Just, you know, like I'm still collecting my Amazon bucks. Yeah. People threw so much shade at him for that. And I thought, I went back to that. It's like the equivalent of me giving you $5. I know. Basically. But uh, but I went to that FDR speech. Was it FDR, the one, the man in the, the, man in the arena? I wasn't alive. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points at how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do their deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement? And who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls neither know victory nor defeat. It was actually Theodore Roosevelt who said that. Same guy. Same, same. Yeah. Theodore, FDR, some Roosevelt. And while I'm not a big Bezos fan, I do agree with that poem. It isn't the critic. It's the it's a person up there doing it. I agree. Everybody's just mad that they weren't the ones getting the, the hundy. Getting to go into space in a giant smile-shaped rocket. Uh, where was that headed? I have no idea. We were talking about taxes. We, we were talking about taxes and talking about Olympians. I think there's a big lesson there, which is finding the right help for your taxes. And certainly we are not Olympians with the Olympics around us. I think it's a good reminder, believe it or not, that tax planning pretty damn important, OG. All right. Looks like uh, Doug is here, ready to give us some trivia. So why I'm don't out of we? Coffee, so yeah, let's do it. there stackers i'm joe's mom's neighbor doug and today down in the basement we're celebrating a holiday which surprisingly doesn't seem to get a lot of love in this world (laughs) i was leafing through today's holiday calendar joe's mom got me and today is wait for it happy world hepatitis day you know i'd love to know who the creator of this holiday was and what they were thinking You know, now that I have hepatitis, I think this would go over much better with cake and balloons. So let's invite all my friends to the party. Come on, I swear, people, sometimes I just can't even. Well, one of the hepatitis symptoms is a fever, which, of course, reminds me of that hit song, Fever, which won a ton of Grammys, among other awards. 
more people have covered this song than almost any other song, including Elvis Presley, Christina Aguilera, Michael Buble, The McCoys, La Lupe, Beyonce, and none other than Madonna. So today, let's focus on Madonna, because why not? While her Fever cover was well-received, what was Madonna's first top 100 hit? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can catch your breath after that whirlwind. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to he is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for the U.S. based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to navyfederal.org dot org for full terms conditions and other offers navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender well if you're new to stacky benjamins you may not know that i've tried out a lot of personal finance apps i like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so i know what i'm talking about when it comes to uh what's helpful and what isn't helpful and the app that i've used the longest has been monarch money and it's because cheryl and i my spouse were able to collaborate together We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now... Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, You're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I am back. I've been doing some more research on hepatitis on WebMD, and some of the symptoms are uh, 
Well, I mean, a fever, there's fatigue, there's loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, dark urine, light-colored stools, joint pain, and jaundice. It's, it's, it's getting real, folks. I mean, I think I might have had hepatitis on and off since, like, 1986. Talk about a rude awakening. Like, I can't walk around the block without getting extreme fatigue. Joe's mom's meatloaf makes me lose my appetite every time, and I wake up no fewer than two times every week with a sore neck. That's joint pain, right? That's joint pain. I don't know what jaundice is, but I'm sure I've probably had that too, like twice already today. I got to go sort this out. But before I do, I think I can muster up the strength to get you your trivia answer. The question was, what was Madonna's first top 100 hit? Madonna has released 88 singles and her first entry on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 was... Holiday in 1983, which also became her first top 10 hit song in several other countries. The following year, she achieved her first number one single in Australia, Canada, and the U.S. with Like a Virgin from the album of the same name. Be careful with hepatitis, people. Not sure why there's a holiday. Still don't get that one, but it can really be dangerous. Get yourself some treatment. I'm calling my doctor right now. Wow. You listen to Joe and Brandy Maybrook. See ya! And here she comes down the stairs to the basement. Brandy Maybrook joins us. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Joe? Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy that you're here with us because I think your story is so inspirational and you help so many people get what they want out of life. As as you know, as well as anybody, Brandy, we spend a lot of time serving other people and never really chasing our own goals. And I think at one point, it sounds like that was you, but that's not you anymore. No, no, I've I've been through some things. And so that's definitely not where I'm at at this point in my life. I am in a great place. And I couldn't have said that even 10 years ago, um, you know, 15 years ago, even sometimes with life, just even a few years ago. So every day is different. Every day gives a new opportunity to make a difference, to make a change. But I'm really excited where I'm at today. And I'm so excited about what the future's uh, you know, got in store as well. So, yeah. well, well, let's go back to the dark times, not to make you shake or cry <laughs> at the beginning of the, of the interview. But at one point you were bankrupt. Is that true? It's so true. Yes, it's so true. I was bankrupt with a baby and not too sure on what I was going to be able to do. You know, I was making, gosh, maybe about $14 an hour at the time and was in a place where I had a choice of what I was going to do, either step up and not give my son the same life that I grew up with or continue to go down the path of, you know, having filing bankruptcy. And I chose to go after something more so I could show him something more. And I've been on that path ever since. Can I ask you about that? Most people I interview have this darkest time that they remember. Like I remember, Mm -hmm. and you know, stackers are going to roll their eyes when they hear me say this again, but I ran out of gas. I was advising other people about their money. I had no money. I had no credit. I'm digging in the seats of my minivan for pennies. And that was my my low point. Do you remember your low point and kind of where you were when you said things have to change? Yes, I was actually in the courtroom, <laughs> um, you know, for my bankruptcy trial. 
that is when I decided that things had to change. You know, at that point in time, my son, he was almost one years old and he was looking to me, you know, only me. His father at the time wasn't doing much. And so I had to decide on, on what to do. So at that moment, I knew something had to change, something had to give. And I had to look at my career. I had to look at the amount of money I was making. I had to look at me as a person, you know, and even at that time, I was staying with my sister in Ohio and not having my own place. There was a point of where just depression, not even being able to give him a bath, like she would have to help me give him a bath. And so there's just a lot of moments where I could have chosen to to just let that situation break me, but I had to take responsibility because some of it was of my own doing. You know, it was not exactly having the best money habits or not thinking about my future and taking it that completely seriously. Well, you talk so much about mindset now, and I'm sure that has to be the the center point of where that kind of mm-hmm. comes from. Like mindset is everything, but tactically. At that point, what did you do first though, Brandy? Like tactically, what did you change? Did you quit your job and get a different job? Did you take classes? I don't, what did you do? I thought about how I could make more money. And that is ultimately what it was. I know that there's a school of thought where you should cut back and do things differently. Maybe we should stop at Walmart instead of, you know, stopping someplace else. But I just thought, you know, if my son is going to want things, he's going to want a pair of Jordans. He's going to want to go on vacations. He's going to want to have a nice home. What do I need to do in order to do that? So I started looking at my experience when it came to my career. I had had a bachelor's degree, went to college. The amount of money I was making, though, wasn't very much. So at that point in time, like I said, I was making between 14, maybe $16 an hour. And I needed more. So I started looking at if I needed to go back to school to enhance my education. I started looking at my experience when it came to my resume. And I had picked up some management type experience, some professional experience that I could actually put on a resume. And I chose to go with that. And then I started applying for bigger jobs and just looking at the opportunity that I had based on the what experience I did have. And I went from there. And then also I moved from Ohio to North Carolina and made a big, <laughs> made a big move, made a big move there. Too. I want to ask you about that in a second, but I want to focus first on finding more money because I think that's so powerful that so many people mm-hmm. just want to go cheaper with their life. And I love this quote, you can't shrink your way to greatness, right? You, you yeah. have to, at some point go after more. And my understanding then Brandy at that moment Like you didn't just go bigger. You began climbing the ladder fairly quickly. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I took that experience that I had and what I even gained that experience from was starting an internship program. The company that I worked for at the time, uh, we needed help. (laughs) And so I was like, let me go ahead and bring in some interns. And so part of the deal was that I would help manage them. And I took all of that experience. I took difficult conversations that I had. I had, you know, the evaluations that I did and I formulated a nice management resume and I went after management careers. So when I ended up moving, those were the positions. Those were the only type of positions that I was applying for. We see statistics all the time that people have trouble asking for raises. People have trouble asking for money. Women have a bigger, statistically, Mm -hmm. have more problems with that than men. They don't want to rock the boat. Women of color, even more so, have trouble with that. How were you able to negotiate more money? And tell me about kind of the courage it took to do that. 
Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When it comes to the salary negotiation, looking back, I actually shortchanged myself. But considering I had added maybe a $25,000 additional year over year. So to me at the time, that was like, oh, I've done a really great job. That's like a bajillion dollars. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But as I got further into my career, I started to realize that the salary negotiation piece was was missing and that I needed to go after more like six figures, especially when I, once I started to climb up the corporate ladder. And so I started to renegotiate those types of salaries. But it's big. I mean, and to your point, when it comes to women of color, you know, black women, when it comes to just women in general, we do. We have a really hard time going after bigger careers. We have a really hard time asking for more money or even one of the things, too, is that after I took that first management job, I went back and asked for more money once I started to do more research and things. And so I had those conversations and even threatened to leave. And, you know, told him, like, I found another job that's going to pay me more money. And so those were the types of conversations that I had to get brave enough to have. And so I've kind of been on that track ever since. But it sounded like strategically and back to tactics again, you brought numbers, you brought data, you, Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't go in emotionally, you brought reams of ideas and, and numbers with you to make that case. Oh, absolutely. And I even brought in another job offer that I had received saying that they were going to pay me X amount of dollars. But is that um, hard? Is that, and not to cut you up, but is that hard? Because I, I sometimes think about that tactic and I'm sure you must have at the time too, that, mm-hmm. that to some degree your boss then goes, well, is she really on the team? Like, even if they keep you, they think, are, are she really on the team? Cause she always seems to be looking elsewhere. I didn't have that concern. I mean, at the end of the day, I needed to do what was best for me and my son. And that was my mindset. And so even if they said, you know what, we're not going to play around with this. If you want to go to a different place, then actually the position that I was going to was going to be an upward move anyway. I just really liked where I was. And that was the argument. I like it here. I enjoy working with you. This is a really great opportunity. You know, what can we do to make it work? If not, and here's I this see. other. Here's yeah. This other yes. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't presented as a threat. It was presented yeah. more as a, but Hey, I want to mm-hmm. stay, but please help yeah. me, help me help you. Right. Exactly. That Terry Maguire, help me <laughs> right. help you. You know, <laughs> like, you right. gotta show me the money though. You right. gotta show me the money. <laughs> I forgot that's the very next slide too. Uh, sometimes for people, we talk about people need a change and you not only had that change in money, but you also, had to change your surroundings. And you moved from Ohio to Charlotte. Tell me about how that changed you. And tell me when you coach people as well, do do you advise people to do that often? Is that, I mean, because that can be hugely disruptive. You know, I think everybody has to do what's best for them. For me at the time, there wasn't a lot of opportunity around me. So I talked about how I was applying for manager jobs, supervisor jobs, coordinator jobs. Um, And so when I started looking in Charlotte, the opportunity there was just, it was greater. There was more jobs. There was more, you know, just from the city atmosphere, from the fact that it was growing, there was just, just more opportunity. So I went ahead and took a chance and, you know, I moved with my last paycheck and a rental car because I lost my car in the bankruptcy and me and my son and we, we came and, you know, I had no furniture. We had our luggage. I absolutely love it. This monster pivot. So you make your way up into the C-suite you're making well into six-figure money. 
then Brandy has this other huge pivot, which is, and and, and I heard you say this on other interviews that burnout is real and you warn CEOs about burnout, but you make this pivot to now instead work for yourself. So you finally have the income that you want. You've got the lifestyle you want and you say, forget this. And you pivot again. Tell me about where you were when you made that change. Oh, burned out. (laughs) No, I I got tired. What I realized was I was being hired because of the skill set that I had obtained. And there were to restructure teams, you know, restructure processes, workflows, all of these things. And I started to realize how much money I was making someone else compared to me making that same amount of money. And so specifically, there was a company that I worked for and I was hired specifically to help them grow it. So they could sell it for private equity. And so, you know, it's almost like the flip model. And when I realized how much money the people who I was doing a lot of the lay work, you know, I was getting called, you know, five o'clock in the morning, all the way up to eight o'clock at night. I was driving all over the state of North Carolina, all of this. And I realized that they were going to be making millions of dollars. And I'm even though I have this great, you know, six figure salary, it was awesome. I was killing myself for it. I was like, there has to be an easier way. I'm doing something wrong. So I started to take a step back and started to think about what did I really want? I enjoyed the management part of it. I enjoyed the business building part of it. I enjoyed just the restructuring part of it from a career standpoint. But I just knew there was something more. And I wanted to really be able just to call, call my own shots to be able to help more people. And then along the way, even as I was building in my career, there was always people asking me, how are you doing this? You know, how are you able to, you know, get these high level jobs? How are you even able to make six figures? How are you able, how did you turn this around? And so I've always had little mentees along the way and things. And so I found out about, you know, how I could really start my own business coaching and consulting business. And I've been on that track, you know, since then, and I wouldn't change it. And, you know, the pivot that you're speaking of, of leaving all of that, It's taken some time. You know, I had looked at different franchise opportunities, just something because I just knew I was selling myself short. The same way that I felt in Ohio was the exact same place that I was feeling. I was selling myself short and I could do so much more. And so I followed that. I love that, though. And I don't want to let that go for everybody listening that you don't have to completely jump off the diving board into the deep end of the pool. You can begin to surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do and have some guardrails. But when you went to work Mm -hmm. for yourself, did you have clients already in hand or did you put out the shingle and then go, man, I'm hoping you did have clients in hand? I did. I had worked on my business. And so really the money I was getting from the consulting piece was almost my nest egg and allowed for me to do things that you need in order to build the business. So that was my stream of capital, if you want to look at it that way. It's the best thing that I could have done. The other thing, too, is that the consulting company I was working for, they start to catch on to the fact that I was building a business. And so there were different conversations surrounding that. And so it eventually just came to the point where I had to decide, what do I want to do? Do I want to go ahead and go forward with my own business and create my seven figure business, you know, to get the millions that I deserve? Or do I want to continue down this path where I'm making, to your point, a really well six figure salary And it feels so good in the process of it because just to be able to make the more impact to help the clients that I'm helping, I wouldn't have it any other way. 
What's funny when you say you wouldn't have it any other way is that you, everybody's afraid, as you know, of going down the wrong path of, it took me a year to start a podcast because I couldn't figure out how to get you and I talking into, <laughs> into everybody's iPhone so they could hear me or Android device. I had no idea how to do that. And it turns out it's just some company out there that does it. It's the easiest thing. But we let this fear of failure get between us and success, Brandy, as you well know, when you coach people. But you didn't knock it out of the park at first. My understanding is you went into one type of coaching and then had to pivot again because it wasn't yes. 100% on. Yes, exactly. I started out in career coaching because, again, I was telling you about like just some of the mentees that I had worked with. They always ask, how are you able to do this? How are you able to move through your career? How are you able to you know, make this kind of money. What are you doing? And so I felt like, oh, okay, I can help with that. So I'll help people make six figure salaries. That's what I'll do. And once I got into it, people were asking me about how, well, how do I create a resume and how do I interview? And, you and know, you're how poking do I your do, eye out. Right. Like, how do I do LinkedIn? And I'm like, this is not my cup of tea. I can tell you, like, you know, just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to write a resume. Oh, you know, people are sending me, asking me things. And I just know. And what I realized was my business management and leadership. And that was the golden nugget. And that's the conversation that I enjoy talking about the most. And so I made another pivot and decided I was sitting there like, let me just try this out. You know, let me just go ahead and see. So I created a, a program called Savvy Foundations right there, posted about it and said, I'll teach you how to market operations, you know, how to build a team, how to hire all of those things. And I've been on that track ever since. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I love that because you know what? I'd rather be 80% right, which you were. Mm -hmm. You're 80% right and be moving. And then because I think you also learn from moving. It sounds like you exactly. learn from moving. Yeah. You now have a structure with Savvy Clover that it, my understanding is it's almost uh, uh, mastermindy, right? You're coaching but also people are working as a group with each other. Tell yep. me about the value of the mastermind peach. Cause it seems to me like you could be just one-on-one -on -one consulting. How is a mastermind more powerful for people? I always say, I don't want anyone to be at the mercy of my experience. I think that there's so much gold in all of our experiences, our diversity, our backgrounds, you know, things that we've come from, things that we've overcome, ideas. And so it's nice to have a group where I'm not always the one who has to coach. I'm not always the one who has to come up with the ideas. I'm not always the one who has to come up with the strategy. And there's a lot of times where my clients are coaching each other. They're doing, you know, because they all have different types of skill sets and trying out different things. And so it's really, it's almost, it's just magic just to watch everyone just get involved and to brainstorm and together we're furthering our businesses, our lives and, you know, and just going after more and it's not all depending on me. So I love one-on-one -on -one work because that is a component of it just from a consulting standpoint and a strategy standpoint. But at the same time, there's a lot of times where during some of the calls, I'm not even, I'm not even talking and I allow for that. So it's amazing. But that, no, that is powerful. It's powerful to be in a community like pack hunting people all mm -hmm. working together toward the same goal. But you have very definite pillars that you work people through inside of that. Yes. I don't want people to get the wrong impression. This isn't a free-flowing conversation. You've got them working on very specific things. Where do most CEOs get it wrong? Where do you see people really need help the most, Brandy? I would say team. <laughs> it's the team. It's the like I I feel like in the in the space there's all talk about marketing, you know, market market market, sale sale sale. But at some point if you want to grow your business, if you are trying to be busy, 
you're going to have to hire at some point in time and turnover costs money. Um, and I coming from my experience, I've worked for a lot of different companies where the money was coming in, the money was coming in, but the turnover that we had was crazy. The reviews that we had were terrible. People were quitting left and right. Even us as leaders weren't happy. You know, so it's it when it comes down to it, it's the team building, it's the business culture that you're creating. It's more than just marketing. It's more than just sales. It's the processes that you have in place. Um, because when things are chaotic or not flowing the way that they should or processes are wacky and not efficient, you lose money. And so that's where most times people get it wrong is they're not hiring the right way or not hiring the right type of person who's going to be a good fit for the role or they're hiring thinking that they're able to just give people something and almost trial by fire. Um, and that person ends up leaving and then you're left trying to do the work again. And so when you hire hiring with intention, delegating with intention, knowing what you're building, having the clarity of just the business culture that you're creating, regardless of the size, because you could work for a Fortune 500 company, you could work for a small business, people are going to feel what you're building. So even if it's one client to 100 clients, you know, millions of clients are going to feel what you're building. And so that's part of that business culture. And then if you have team members that are interacting with your customers, they're going to feel that, you know, your customers are going to feel that. Um, and then the people internally are going to feel it, too. So I think when it comes to it, it's business culture and team where a lot of people get it wrong. That's so funny. People focus on marketing. I mean, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm hearing people are focusing on marketing. And if you're marketing a crap product or mar marketing mm -hmm. and people come in the front door and they interface with employees who aren't empowered like that, that sucks. But is there a, a technique or a something we should think about first when it comes to the team? Is there a core piece there we should begin with? Yeah, get a cl get clarity on what you need. Um, I find that simple things like a job description, people don't do that. You know, they just hire somebody. I just need for you to help me schedule appointments or I just need for you to help me, you know, with a podcast. But you need to have a clear definition of what you want the person to, to do, at least starting out. And nine or ten chances that position is going to evolve. But start out with a clarity first before you bring them in. Know what you want them to do compared to just hiring them and just kind of winging it. So you have to have some structure around that. If people want more about Savvy Clover, and this has been so damn fun, Brandy, talking okay, about your situation. Thank you. Where do people find more? Where do people find you? They can definitely find me on Instagram at Savvy Clover Coaching. So S-A-V-V-Y-C-L-O-V-E-R Coaching. Or they can find me on my website at www.savvyclover.com. Awesome. And you know what? We've got you covered if you're walking the dog or commuting to work. For those of you that still commute, uh, we'll have links to all things Brandy and Savvy Clover on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Brandy, thanks a ton for hanging out with us and talking about your own personal journey. Thanks for sharing it. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. It is amazing how much changing your surroundings can change the ballgame. Especially when you're coming from Ohio. I mean, <laughs> basically any other place <laughs> in the union would have, would have looked amazing. Send, send your hate mail to OG at stackybenchments.com. It is a powerful thing. I know that when we moved to Texarkana, yeah. I had no interest in running a marathon. I moved here. All my friends ran marathons. And next thing you know, I've run 11. Wow. 
but it clearly is what Brandy was talking about. You are who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Uh, we did the same transition. We went from Michigan to Dallas, left a lot of friends behind and have a whole bunch of new friends now. And they're a lot different than our old friends. And just like you experienced when you went back to Michigan, your old friends in Michigan are a little different than you remember them being because you have this different path that you're on now. But you don't have to move across country. You know, there's a ton of research on something as simple as getting up with the sun and going to bed with the sun. And I don't necessarily mean like rising, like rising with the sun. What I mean is get your body outside in the morning just helps generate all those endorphins and and creativity. Why do you have your best thoughts when you're in your sh- in the shower? Everybody says that. Oh, my best thoughts come to me in the shower. Because you're free to just do nothing except think. So get outside and see what happens when you expose yourself to fresh air and the sun coming up, actually, or metaphorically. There's research that says you get better sleep if you're outside as the sun is setting, and that kind of like triggers your body to go, oh, it must be bedtime now, and stay away from the devices as as it's getting dark out and kind of delete all that blue light out of your life, you know, late in the afternoon or evening and go to bed at a normal time. All of that can change your perspective. You don't actually have to move across country. Although part of the great thing about living where we live is that you can move across the country. You can pack all your stuff tomorrow and, and be in a completely different environment, uh, 12 hours from now. So I love that story. Getting outside also worked for comedian Emo Phillips a little bit of a rapscallion myself in my youth. I remember one day I was playing. I was about seven years old. And I saw the cellar door open just a crack. Now my folks had always warned me, Emo, whatever you do, don't go near the cellar door. But I had to see what was on the other side if it killed me. And I went to the cellar door, and I pushed it and walked through, and I saw strange, wonderful things, things I had never seen before, like trees. (laughs) Grass. It's amazing how getting outside really changed emos. Trajectory. Yes, absolutely. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and tackle some of life's biggest challenges. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Hey, packing your stuff and moving across country. Do it. If you're thinking about doing it, do it. Do it. Everybody's doing it. It's your loved ones and your time. And everybody is doing the packing your stuff and moving across. Like that really is happening. (laughs) It really truly is happening. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance super simple so that you can get the house packed and get moving. Go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Now you'll get a free quote. Their application, it's simple. It's online. You're going to get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and they're not backed by some brand new company. Policies are backed by Mass Mutual, more than 160-year-old insurer. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Julie. Say hi, Julie. Hi, guys. My name's Julie, and I have two kids, and I have about $5,000 saved for each one of them. 
one is three and one is one. I was wondering what sort of account you would recommend opening for them to maximize the next 18 years. Thanks. Awesome question, Julie. I love this. And nice job, by the way, starting at a young age, three years old and one year old. And by the way, there's this cool rule before OG gets into this, that if you get a, to Julie's point, if you get a decent rate of return, it's called the rule of 72. And let's say that the one-year-old is not going to touch that money OG till they're in their sixties. Just, you know, you make it a, Julie makes it a retirement account, right? So take the interest rate you think you're going to get and you divide it into 72 and that tells you how long roughly it's going to take your money to double. So let's say it's 8% into 72 every nine years that one-year-old's money is going to double. So it's going to double at 10, at 19, at 28, at 37, at 46, at 55, and then again at 64. So it's going to double seven times. So if Julie puts $5,000 in that one-year-old's account, for retirement money, it's not 5,000 bucks in the future that seven times. So that five becomes first double becomes 10, second double becomes 20, third double becomes 40, fourth double becomes 80, fifth double, you're already up to $160,000. And this is where the magic really starts cranking that sixth double 320,000 then the next one, $640,000 for retirement OG with a $5,000 gift right now. That's a nice bump in, uh, in that kid's retirement plan. Kind of took the wind out of my sails. That's bam. That's what I was going to say. Well, well, a couple of different places. So a, you can stuff it away for retirement. Don't tell your kid about it. Set up an account, make them the beneficiary. And I wouldn't do that until they're 18. But, um, what do you mean? Uh, you don't want to leave money to kids under 18. Yeah. Uh, court gets involved and it just it gets kind of messy, messy. Yeah. So, if you're thinking, hey, I just want to set this money aside for who knows how long, the key is to let that the stuff double as many times as you can, like you said, because somewhere in that 25 to 45 range, your kid will go, so I hear there's money for me. I really want to buy a house. And what did you just do? Oh, you know, you, it's worse because the house appreciates. I really want a car. <laughs> well, that would be worse. You're right. So if you're going to do that, you got to do it and not tell them about it because you know, dying breath. You're like, oh, by the way, there's an account in your name. <laughs> you know, just eh, and then you croak. I did that. Was you did that? I just, I'm sad. This is an audio only podcast because I got to watch the visual effects too. <laughs> it was, it was the, pretty good. The, uh, the tug out was the was, was the cell. That was the cell. I put the X's on my eyes. <laughs> eh. uh, let's assume she means college money. So it could be, my, could be. I want to use this for for college. Uh, 529 plans are great. They're universal. You know, you don't have to stick to the one in your state. We use quite frequently and recommend the one from Utah, my529.org, I think. I don't know. Just Google Utah 529. But your state may have a tax deduction. As we found out, some states have tax credits. Uh, looking at you, Indiana, by the way, thanks to everybody who wrote me afterwards after we talked to the gentleman who yeah. his state gave him a great tax credit that was the state of indiana so yeah. thanks to everybody who so college 529 i don't think that's too much money to have in a 529 if you're just going to let it sit there it also will be helpful over the next 17 or 15 years it will grow quite nicely so uh there's that and of course there's just the plain old-fashioned brokerage account you know which can be used for whatever kind of goes hand in hand with the 
I'm going to let it sit there until they're 65 type account. But if you're thinking college, I think you got to go 529, especially if your state has a tax deduction or tax credit and um, uh, you get some tax deferral, tax-free withdrawals for college, all of those benefits. Those are the types of accounts. Let's talk about the assets, like what to what to put in it. Uh, largely Bitcoin would be recommended. Doge to the moon, baby. Yeah, that would be great. Any IPO or venture, venture capital that you can find uh, and get in on just, ground floor. Just Peter Thiel your way to success. Yeah. Um, stocks, stocks, and more stocks. I mean, I think, a, I think a nice mix of U.S. and international big companies and small companies, and you can do that in three ETFs if you wanted, uh, will be uh, more than adequate for that portfolio size and for the diversification that you need. Because you just stick it in the S&P, do you get where you want to go? Yeah, probably. Do you have a smoother ride if you have a little bit of international involved? Yes. You have a smoother ride even yet if you have smaller companies involved? Yes. So I think uh, big companies, small companies, international, three funds, you can get it done. But all stocks, all stocks all the time. And the one mistake that people will make when they look at, oh, gee, what you just said with the international, they'll go back and they'll look at the last five years. Or they may even just go back and look at the last 10 years and they'll go, why the heck is he recommending this junk? Well, there's a much longer time horizon than just the last few years and the markets go through cycles. And we talked about this on Monday with that Vanguard report. To some degree, you want to look ahead. You want to look ahead, not in the rearview mirror. And I think uh, international, the world has... The world has a lot of opportunity. Well, I mean, yes, that is very true. More and more people coming out of poverty every single day across the globe, the growing middle class across all the emerging market countries. If that's not reason enough, I think just simply the ebb and flow of how all economies do not work at the same time. If all you're going to do is invest one time and you have no other time to invest, then you have a great opportunity to dollar cost average just by using diversification because you'll have some stuff that goes up and stuff to some stuff that goes down. You can sell the winners, buy the losers. Now you're building in this dollar cost average program with the exact same money. So not all economies rise and fall at the exact same time. And, and you know, you think about like those, those different waves. If you can have a opposite wave, then you get a, a, a great buying opportunity for that asset class that you that you have, but hasn't performed the same. Thanks again, Julie, for that question. If you've got a question for OG, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And we're very happy to see if we can stump the OG with your question. And unfortunately, that Julie, fun, that might be a fun game to play. We didn't, we didn't stump him on that one, Julie, but for trying, we will send some collectible stacking Benjamins Haven life, greatest money show on earth. Kelly Green now shirt. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Hey, that's going to do it for today. Big happenings in the basement tonight, OG. Before we leave, we have our live YouTube event, 8 p.m. Eastern time, The Stack. Be there, be square. They have been fantastic. This will be our fourth one. We're going back to what we did last summer when there was a lot of uncertainty around the market. Of course, we've had uh, the market shook a little bit last week, OG. Got a little got a little funky. Um, what does that mean for your money? What should you do? We've got a fantastic guest joining us tonight. Yeah, we've got uh, Apollo Lepescu. He's the chief of explaining stuff is what his business is. Chief Splainer. Chief Splainer. Uh, 
I think you might have some drawings for us today, uh, how to think about, you know, what's, what's gone on in the last couple of months, year, year and a half or so, what to make of the inflation thing. That's kind of top of mind. What should you compare your investment portfolio to? You know, when you see your money did this, you know, it's up this, should you compare it to the S&P? Should you compare it to the Dow? Should you compare it to the Russell? Like, what does all that different stuff mean? And, and certainly no forecasting for the future, but I think he does a great job of explaining uh, how to think about things, which is, I think what we try to do is to help you think about your thinking. He's with uh, Dimensional Funds and yeah. Dimensional Funds led by a couple uh, Nobel Prize winners. Yeah, I mean, Dimensional has been around for 40 years, I think now, 50, almost, almost 50 years. They're kind of the first ones that fell into the factor type investing, right? Just paying attention to price and and value was kind of their, their big thing. And uh, a lot of names that you recognize in the academic finance space, Eugene Fama and uh, Ken French and their, you know, their reports and behavioral uh, finance people and many, many other pros that I'm just going to draw a blank on. But um, I like to mention them. It's 8 p.m. tonight, and that'll be live on the Stacky Benjamins YouTube page. To get there, go to YouTube.com. In the search bar, just put Stacking Benjamins, and you will see on our page the live event. If you're there uh, shortly before, you'll see the countdown clock, and then we'll get rolling right at 8 o'clock Eastern. All right, that's going to do it for today. So many people to thank. Hey, thanks, first of all, if you are new to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. I know that your time is valuable. And if you're a brand new stacker, here's the way to make sure that you get more delivered directly to your device hit either the follow button or the subscribe button on the show and that brings it to you automatically every time that we have a new episode thanks also to everybody who's left us a review if you wrote us a a five-star review and uh wrote me that you did it you may know that i promised books we put people's name in the hat for books i've actually og has still had enough books i can't believe how many books i have Uh, from past guests. We're walking through sending those out. So if you have not gotten an email from me, uh, patience, I try to give people, and maybe this makes it a little, go a little longer than it should, but I give people a list of five. Mm. I I take five books that I've got and I say, Hey, choose one. Cause I don't want to just hand out a book that somebody doesn't, isn't going to be helpful. But uh, Austin is one of those people. And Austin wrote this review that mom's bragging about three years in and still haven't learned a thing. I've been listening to the show for almost three years. And by the way, that is a five-star review. <laughs> Any place else that would not be a five-star review, but here, that's the badge. Been listening to the show for almost three years. Hard to pinpoint anything specific I've learned, but it keeps me entertained enough to come back and my financial health is greatly improved. I've absorbed little bits of knowledge over the years, but most importantly, it's changed the way I think about my own financial challenges and how I solve them. Thanks to Joe, OG, Paul, and the others who put in so much effort into the show. Thanks for that, Austin. And mom is bragging about you with the Bridge Club. But thanks to everybody who's left us a review. If you could do that, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Last but not least, if you are somebody who needs better financial planning help in your corner, you want to make better decisions the rest of 2021 and beyond, OG and his team of professionals are taking on new clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, and that's the link to their calendar 
where you can interface with OG and his team and find out what it would take to have them in your corner, helping you make those better decisions. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, while athletes may get special tax exemptions that you and I cannot, there's still lots to be gained from learning how taxes work and finding your own tax strategy. The good news? The basics aren't as complicated as you might think. Check into your workplace retirement plan and Roth IRAs to start. If you're eligible, decide if you should make a contribution. Second, take some advice from Brandy. Need a change? Now is a great time to start your new journey. But the big lesson? So, it turns out, I don't have hepatitis, which is a really serious thing and something that if you do have, it is not worth a holiday on this calendar. I guess I'm just getting old and Joe's mom said I'm something called a hypochondriac, which sounds pretty serious. I wonder who I caught that from. Probably OG. Maybe I should check into that. I could be dying from some hypochondria right now and nobody would even know. To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. To learn more about Brandy Mabra, head to SavvyClover.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2021, and is created by Joe Saul Our producer is Karen Rapine. The show is written by Taylor Stevens with help from Joe and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen, check out our show notes page written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. Brooke and Joe also collaborate on a guide to the show and with lots of extras we couldn't include on today's podcast. Heck, they'll also throw in some life money lessons from Joe, and it's all free. It's called The Stacker, and you'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Once we get all of this goodness bottled up, it goes over to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart, who helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to talk about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group, The Basement. She also is our social media coordinator, so say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. She and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. For a URL that'll take you right to our Facebook group, by the way, type stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, reminding you... Don't put off tomorrow anything you can put off until the day after tomorrow. That's way better than tomorrow, the day after tomorrow.
Welcome to the after show. You know, we played that, uh, that emo Phillips clip earlier. OG, who's your favorite comedian? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a favorite? No, I mean, it depends on the mood. We saw Kathleen Madigan in person and I couldn't breathe. You know, I mean, because your stomach just, just hurt laughing so hard. She was really good. George Carlin was amazing in person before he you died. You saw Carlin live. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. He was super awesome. I saw Chappelle live. Remember that? Uh, a couple I, of years I ago. I don't remember you seeing Chappelle live. I wasn't there. It, no, no. But I think I talked about it on the show. I don't remember what I did yesterday. I'm not going to remember what the hell you did three years ago. <laughs> you just smiled and nodded when I told you that, did you? Oh, you went and saw, uh-huh, oh, yeah, uh-huh, cool. yeah uh, oh, cool. good story. Yeah, email me the rest of it. So I like Lewis Black. If you're into some pretty angry stuff, he's got a he's got a thing called Rant Cast, where he has some stuff, posts some stuff on Twitter and a little podcast where he'll just take a topic. And Bill just, Burr. Bill Burr's a little bit like that, but well, I'm just the street without them getting all excited. Oh, I guess I guess wow. not e- my fault emo's just all. not Appar- stopping. Apparently, some bonus emo Phillips. I was I was trying to pull up Lewis Black and. That played again, but one of my favorite Lewis Black bits is about uh, about water. Because when I was a child, this was the simplest thing of all. This was the essence of life. And when you were thirsty, that's the operative word, ladies and gentlemen. The word is and has and will always be thirsty, not hydrate. They made that fucking word up. I could go anywhere in my house when I was a child. You know, there was three or four different rooms. I could go into my basement and I could get clean water and drink it. Mm. <laughs> and then go back out and play. And those were great times. <laughs> but then, then we decided every town and every village which had the water coming to it and all they had to do was clean it said we'll save money we won't clean the water so much and with the money we can save we can then buy the water at the supermarket (laughs) try to go through this logic with me our country had water coming to our homes and even if we were locked out we could still get it (laughs) clean water and we said no you. I don't want it to be that convenient. I want to drive and drive and drive and look for water like my ancestors did. <laughs> well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military and of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members, 
are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.